Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. I had planned on sharing it at Thanksgiving dinner. We had, let's see, 15 to 20 of us over. My mom and her family, and then my sister and her children and our family. We had a wonderful time, a wonderful turkey. Did y'all have a Thanksgiving, a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yes, it was good. Are you thankful? Or just fat? Which one? I'm both. I'm both. I'm sassy and happy and loving it. I'll bring those calories off this week by the grace of God. We joke and we say this is the sanctified size of the season, and I'm okay with that. Amen. Feel free to steal that. Rip off a duplicate that's yours and give away for free. Yes. There are seasons, right, where it's just the sanctified size, and I'm okay with this. So, this message actually came out of a conversation I was having with the Lord, laying in bed one day. Uh, the Lord would be up the day before Thanksgiving, actually. Um, I was going to share this and pull a pastor card. I don't pull the pastor card with my family very much. I keep it pretty laid back and casual. But I had this burning in me. as like, I, I'm going to pull a pastor card this time. I want to talk to you about Jesus. I want to talk to you about forgiveness. I want to talk to you about who the Lord is, who he says you are, and why he loves you so much. And um, Holy Spirit did not allow me to do that Thursday. I thought it was for Thursday. And I had this whole speech planned. It turns out it was for today. Anybody say amen? Amen. amen. God is good. So the title of today's message is A Father's Love. Let that settle. Come on. A Father's Love. So as I was thinking about this, this kind of came about because I had a meeting with a friend of mine that I hadn't met with in a while. I met with her, it would have been last week sometime. She said something to me that just grieved my spirit, honestly. She said, you know, I'm really going through a time of healing, and God has been speaking to me, and he's been healing my heart, and quite frankly, I've all these years heard about Jesus, and how wonderful Jesus is, and how he died for me, and how much he loves me, and what he did for me on the cross, and that he's the Son of God, and that he stands before the courts of heaven, and pleads my case. She said, but I, I never really heard many messages about the Father, and the Father's love. And that the whole point of what Jesus did was to reconcile us to be in a relationship with God as Father. And I just thought, ooh, church, we need, to, we need to rectify that. Now, we've talked about that probably maybe four or five times over the last four or five years that we've been here, I can think of. But it's so great to my heart that I thought, I'm going to talk about this today. And I was pondering and kind of meditating on the idea of what is a good father? And of course, looked at my honey. Come on, baby. Love you. <laughs> and I thought, a good father is a good husband first. Amen? He takes care of his whole man. <laughs> right now, we're talking about that little dog we're doing worship, you know. God breathed breath into man and he formed him right. Took it's actually sela, it's not rib. If you look at the original language, that word rib is actually the entire side of the man. Oh, and he, he cut it, right? He cut that up. He took a 
portion, if you will. And he fashioned this being because it wasn't good that man should be alone. And Adam will come and the Lord looked. He looked over to his right and to his left. He said, whoa, whoa, man. That's all he could get out. So a good father is a good husband first. Amen. Amen. Y'all are laughing because you know how it was in the garden. We know why. He said, whoa. Let's keep it real. PG-13. The same. Listen, God is always good for y'all. Keep it motivated. Day, days come back. One day, one day. Yeah. So it's good to be, first, a good father is a good husband. Amen. Yeah, that's all right. Stir it up, Lord. Then, then we ask for godly love for that. Yes. He's a good husband, right? And he talks to us. He calls the body the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ, right? So for those of you that have had good examples of what a good husband looks like, he's tender, he's kind, he's gracious, but he's fierce like a lion. He's protective. Right? My husband is excellent at that. When we went to Africa, I can remember coming out of the store, we bought in their money about $4,000 worth of groceries, about a month or two worth of groceries, it's piling over like this. And we come out and they had this scam going on. We came out of the store and the security guard had a scam going on with the guys outside the thing. And he would stop the person with the receipt because they needed to see it. The other, you know, weakling woman's out there trying to fend off all these people, trying to snatch stuff out of her car. And these, these, you know, it's different. It's just different. It's not America. Woman, get out of the way. I thought, oh, dear Jesus, please keep Stephanie in the grave. Lord, Father, thank you for my brothers. Amen. My heart started to be grieved. And Father said, call on your husband. I turned around and said, Shay! Now, Shay's 6'2". He comes out. He's not a small boy. He's a big old farm boy. He steps out. What are you doing? He roars. Oh, his boy's scanning my cockroaches. I was like, that's my man. Right there. That's my man. Your husbands are fierce. They're loyal. They're protectors. Right? They're not just saying they're safe for the family members, right? But, but they don't play. They got a role to fulfill. They take care of their own. Amen? And a good father protects his wife and his children. A good father is a man who speaks to his child's spiritual destiny. Right? They don't belittle the child. They say, I see goodness in you. I see talent in you. I see bravery in you. I see wisdom and revelation in you. I see faithfulness in you. I see courage in you. I love the way you love people. I, I love this about Jane Nails. comes home from Celebration Cinemas telling me stories about how these beautiful customers have been so worldly. And he says, and I'm smiling. I'm grinning and I'm smiling and I'm praying, Mom. And then the Lord said to be kind. And I said something kind and it totally made the whole day. The whole countenance changed because the love of God never fails. A good father encourages children to be all they're created to be in Christ. To go higher than they go. You know, our daughter went across to Lusaka, lived in an African country for six months because God said, on a word. I think of um, the game. Did you guys ever ride your daddy's back when you were little? 
Did he play on the floor with him? You would jump up there and grab him real tight. Or uncle, right? Or grandpa, maybe, or a friend of the family, some male figure in your life. And you just felt so safe, and you felt so loved, and you felt so encouraged. You felt important. I can remember feeling honored. I can remember feeling taken care of. I can remember feeling free. A good father loves his child or right where they're at. Right where they're at. The child's going to make mistakes. Gee, I just love this child. He, I could not take a shower without this boy going outside and getting in some kind of trouble. Okay, so I would put him in front of the television with a video, and he would come in with a rotten deer head. Mama, look what I found in the bathroom, opening the shower curtain. <laughs> One day he came in with a can of pee. Mom, look! Slash, slash, slash. It's oh, all over the floor in the carpet. I peed in the can! I was like, dear Jesus. I said, oh, oh, dump it out the toilet. Good job, I'm going to cry. Dump it out the toilet. Right? I mean, he was just a funny kid. He was just a funny kid. You know? I can remember the first fit that came through. She was like, the perfect child, seemingly. I found out later she said, and her brother did all kinds of stuff. But she, she threw her first fit. And I remember calling my mom on the phone and saying, I, I, I just can't spank him, Mom. I don't know what to do. I just love him too much. You know, what do I do? She goes, girl, you better win this war now. <laughs> you better find it in yourself to discipline this child that they're going to be 13, and you're going to have a real problem in your hands. It's not going to be cute. It's not going to be little. It's not going to be manageable. Yes, ma'am. Jaden came out because they were both in trouble that day. He came out shortly after that. His diaper, three years old, and yelling at me. It's your fault. It's your fault, I trouble. I said, come on, I'll call you back. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I got this. Hold on. I'm going to call you back and let you know how this goes. It's my fault. It's a dear Jesus. But a mother and a father, a good mother and father, they love their children where they're at, right? They don't condemn them for the mistakes that they make. They understand that the child is in process, the child's on a journey, that they're going from faith to faith and glory to glory, and that they're learning and growing. A good father knows that, right? So they encourage, and they teach, and they uplift, and they strengthen, and they speak the truth in love. They forgive over and 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 over because it's the fruit of our womb. It's our legacy going forward. It's our generational line that will, Lord willing, see the face of Christ's return. Scripture says, uh, no one is good but one, Jesus said. And that is God. And I'm thinking, well, Jesus, wait a minute. You're good. How can you say that? You're good. You're perfect. You died for us. You're one. If you see me, you see the Father. And yet he says, no one is good but one, and that is God. He, of course, is speaking of himself as well. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above, that's right. And comes down from the Father of lights, 
with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Come on. No variation. No compromise. No mixture. He's never even off just a little bit. That, that encourages my heart. Psalm 2713 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's David talking. And we, we look at the nation and we look at the world and there are multitudes of people right now who are losing heart because they don't understand the goodness of the Lord. They haven't seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We were talking about this a little bit in class today. It says, them that know their God will do great exploits in his name. We have to know who he is in order to do the great exploits. In order to see the goodness of God manifest, we have to be in relationship with him. That means we have to be learn to hear. We have to know who he says he is. We have to be open to his ways and, and the idea that he is a good father and that he has good plans for us. And when we don't believe that truth that he is good, we actually withdraw. We tend to put walls up. We tend not to listen. We tend to resist. We tend to procrastinate. Can somebody say procrastinators unite tomorrow? Amen. Amen. <laughs> yes. Okay. God isn't telling you certain things for his own benefit. He's telling you for yours. He loves you. And he is good and he is always good. Always good. Fun having a slipper thing when you're kind of excited about this. Yeah, give up for Shane. I'm liking this slipper. All kinds of technology. It's so fun. I know, right? I love you. Thank you. So, God is Father. I love this verse. Matthew 23 9. And call no man your Father on earth, for you have one Father who is in heaven. Come on. Jesus literally came. The whole purpose, we talk about the gospel and the good news. The good news is this, that Jesus came to die for you and for me and whosoever will believe so that we can be reconciled to Father God. We can be reconciled into a family with a perfect father. We can be shifted out of our dysfunctional families. Anybody, can anybody? You got a couple closets. Okay. Listen, nobody's got a perfect family. You can't raise your hand. You're mine. But I love you. Jesus loves you. Everybody apart from Christ is a hot mess. The reality is this, there are no perfect parents. And you're not going to be a perfect parent. And it's okay. It's okay because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's grace available to all of us. And, and there's this hole that God allowed in our hearts that can only be filled by him. The good father, the perfect father, our heavenly father, there's one father. He came to reconcile us to the father. He came to shift us from our dysfunctional, imperfect families into a functional, healthy, loving, spiritual family where our father loves us perfectly. And sometimes we get caught up in the ability or the inability of our earthly parents or even ourselves to be perfect or to do things a certain way. Oh, good. 
But I love this. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.28. All this, Paul says, is from God who reconciled us to himself. God reconciled us to himself. Through Christ, yes. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're actually called to do. We are called to share the gospel, the good news. But that good news is you get to be reconciled to the Father God, to your creator. The creator of heaven and earth. The one who formed you. The one who knows your destiny. The one who created you. In your mother's womb and knit you together in, her, in the innermost places. He knows why you were created. He set you in this time today, this season, this hour, this year. Because you have something to accomplish that he wants done through you. That no one can do the way that you would do it. Amen. Amen. Yes. John 20, 17 says, Jesus said, and I love, I love this, I love this. Okay, I'm going to do the woman thing. I know I do this a lot, but people don't talk about it enough, so I'm going to tune the woman more. Okay, so just love it. This is right after the resurrection. And he's in the garden, and Mary is there, and she's weeping. And some of the women had come, and they were there, and they were taking care of business, right? And she, she didn't leave. She lingered. Her heart was broken. The lover of her soul, the one who saved her, the one who delivered her, the one who set her free, she watched him be crucified. She watched him be buried in the tomb, and she was waiting. What does this all mean? What does this all mean? What does this all mean? Where is my love? Where is my Lord? Where is my Adonai? And the Lord comes up to her and she thinks he's a gardener. Sometimes that happens, right? We have seasons where we're at a place in our revelation of the word where the Lord's coming to us and we don't recognize him for who he is. Someone brings a word or an encouragement or a scripture and we're like, I don't know what that was. And then two, three years later, you're like, oh, nah, I get it, Abba, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was you. I've heard that like seven times now. I recognize that with you speaking to me back then. Thank you for being so patient, so gracious with me because you're a good father. Amen. And he says to her, as she clings to him and realizes it's her Adonai, she says, Adonai, and she clings to him. That word surrender in the Hebrew actually means to cling to, to cling to something, to cling to someone. And Jesus said this to me, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. And this gets me excited. He sent her. And he said, go instead, go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. That was unheard of. To my God and to your God. Even recently when I prayed at the Martin Luther King event here in the Lansing area, negative feedback came back because I called God Abba. People are still offended by the idea that God can be Father. As I was researching for this sermon, I saw a link. I'm like, stop telling me that God is my Father. Well, He is. If you've received His Son as your Lord and Savior, He is. If not, He's your Creator. He longs to be your Father. He's willing to adopt you. He wants you to come in. But will you receive Him? Will you 
we would admit that you want a father, that you need a father, a perfect father, a loving father, a caring father, one who knows you inside and out. We surrender to that. This is another sign of a good father. He was no respecter of persons. In this passage, he was appearing and sharing the good news with a woman, which was unheard of at the time. The woman was sent first. In this moment, he had not spoken with any of the apostles in his kindness and his graciousness and in honor. He was right in a cultural norm that was not in line with the Father's heart. He was saying, I'm sending my daughter because I love her just as much as I love you. Mm. Church needs to hear that this day. <coughs> Come on. And I'm not saying women are greater or lesser. We're just daughters and sons, shoulder to shoulder. Equal, yes, love. Different. Beautifully different in so many ways, but equal in value, equal in honor, equal in calling, equal in power. Different manifestations of it, but equal, amen? Amen. God is good. Mm -mm. Tell your neighbor, God is good. Tell them, God has called you his son or his daughter. Now, males are males and females are females, and we have to clarify that in this day and age. So use the correct terminology. It doesn't matter what your lineage was or is, your DNA was reset the moment you became a son or daughter of God. The moment you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were literally made new. So you've been made a new creation. You know, we talk about this all the time. Your entire generational line was reset. Absolutely reset. Some of you need to know that you have been reset. Your past does not define you. Your parents don't define you. Their problems do not define you. What they said about you does not define you. You are free to be who God says you are. You are free to be Christ in me, the hope of glory. Come on. You're free, baby. You are royalty. That's what I heard today. Daddy wants you to know you are royalty. You are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You have a crown upon your head. The angels recognize your authority. You will judge the angels with Christ in the end. Did you know that? By his grace, you should be able to walk into a room or walk into an atmosphere or walk into a city. And because Christ is in you, because Holy Spirit is in you, because you're a Mary in a supernatural sense, you have Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you should be able to hear and discern and know. What is this and what do you want me to do about it, Father? Because you're in constant relationship with a perfect Father who loves you perfectly. And he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth. How should we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And those things shift. In Psalms, it talks about we meet out the judgments of God. That's what David was talking about. We meet them out. They're already written. All the laws are in place. We're just bringing the earth into kingdom alignment, into alignment with what God has already said is true. Because we reign and we rule with him. We were committed, we were created for dominion. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were in the garden. And they cared for the garden. They took care of the garden, right? They were created for dominion. He said, multiply. Right? Or multiply. Let me find that verse for you real quick. So you know, like what? 
I'm just going to leave it because it's easier. I like this too. So God created man in his own image and the image of God. He created him. He created them. Male and female, he created them. Come on. and no shrub or field, and yet it appeared on the earth. No plant of the field had yet sprung up, the Lord God had not sent rain. And there was no man to work the ground or stream, surface the ground. For the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. That word for breathed is ruach. It literally means breath. It says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Mm, 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 mm. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the man, You're free to eat of any tree, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Amen. Be fruitful and multiply. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <Cammy>. <laughs> She's wanting to get married something fierce. <laughs> But we're created to, to take dominion. Adam named every single animal. The Lord created the animals, he put them before. Adam would name them. He decreed a thing, and it was so. It was like in that moment, God invited Adam, which Adam literally means humankind or mankind, to come into a relationship with him. Like Brent and I were talking about earlier, and create. He would make something, and what would you like to call it? Can you imagine a video? Jamar, what would you like to call this? Thing with two horns and a big body and a small tail. And four legs, right? And Adam hollers out, ox! Right? Or giraffe, like, seriously? You know, and it's all in Hebrew, of course, right? But imagine thousands and thousands and thousands and millions of animals and dogs, and he's naming them. Come on. How long did that take? Seriously. Like, I need a nap, Lord. You know? But what an honor. What an honor. Follow me. I wanted to talk a little bit today about the character of God as Father because a lot of us didn't have great examples, earthly examples. And um, the truth is, our fathers did the best thing you know how to do. Right? And the reality is, but for the grace of God, there go why. Right? We've received forgiveness and we ought to forgive. Those in our lives who fail this as well. You know, the scripture says that if we're unwilling to forgive the individuals that have hurt us, are you familiar with that parable? It says he forgave the one man and he went back to all the others that owed him and he shook him. You owe me for a much lesser amount than that individual owed the Lord. And what did he say? He said, throw him in the jail, lock it up, and do not let him out that he will be tormented until his full payment is given. Forgiveness is really important to the Lord. Freely we've received and freely we ought to give. Amen. So I love this about God. God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. 
So just say this out loud to yourself, because sometimes it needs to go out of our mouth and in our ears. Say, God always tells me the truth. Okay. And sometimes we don't want to hear it, right? We're like, la, 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 la. What? What? Are you talking to me? No, you could be talking to sister so-and-so. It's not me, Lord. We resist the idea that God wants to tell us the truth because we come into this place of performance and of law where we feel like we have to be perfect. We have to reach a certain standard. We look at God like the judge instead of Father. And we talk today in our Bible study with this beautiful study right now. God is judge, but he's your father as well. He is holy and he is good, but he is your father. And when it comes to you being in Christ Jesus, God is not like your earthly father. He will not lie to you. And everything that he tells you that is true is for your own good. It's because he loves you. It's because he knows what you're created to do and what you're created to accomplish and the capacities that you have and what he has destined for you to do on this earth. And every time you listen to him, he will prove himself true. And he will prove himself good. And you will become more and more fruitful. And you will multiply. And be fruitful in the spiritual sense. Okay? Matthew 7, 10 through 11 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How many of y'all had good Christmases with your kids, right? You got tons of presents to tear open, right? Even a few, right? You got stocking, you got something. You're running out of that Christmas tree, all excited. Some of you opened them beforehand, Laura. I know her story. She couldn't stand it. She'd open them up and wrap them back up. She couldn't wait. I love it. Prophet had to know. Yeah, right? And, and, and yeah, your mother and father, they just loved you where you were at. It's beautiful, right? We get excited about that with this holiday, Hanukkah, whatever that was for you. Okay? If your earthly parents know how to give you gifts, how much more your father in heaven? You remember? Can you think of one gift where you're literally like, oh, this is the most awesome gift in the world? I love this. They had a light bright. But for all you young people, it was a really awesome, old fashioned looking computer screen that you put black paint on and it had all these holes. And I had these multi colored little pegs, and I would punch it through the hole, and I could make any shape I wanted to. Light bright, yes. And it was very cool. All of my friends wanted one, and I just loved it. I could be creative. It was so fun. I absolutely loved it. It was one of the most favorite gifts I get. And I was so thankful. But God has good gifts he wants to get into your hands. But in order to receive them, we've got to know and we've got to believe that he is good and that the gift that he's trying to give us is good, even if we're kind of la-la-la-la-la, don't la-la. Just relax, Lord. What is this? What do you want to give me? Because he is good, amen? Mm -hmm. He's not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23, 19, and this is an interesting story. Um, God is not human that he should lie. It says, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? I receive the command to bless he has blessed him. I cannot change it. And what's interesting about the story is this is actually about the prophet Barak. Do you remember that? When the Midianite came and tried to bribe him to prophesy against the Israelites. And he tried. The donkey had to stop him. Remember? He tried. He was so stubborn. He resisted the Lord so long and so hard that his own donkey had to talk to him. 
And the Lord will do that for us sometimes, right? If you're starting to get signs on the billboards and signs to unbelievers and prophetic words all the time telling you the same thing, you're like, yeah, that's not for me, that's not for me. You might want to slow your roll. Go back to your journal and ask Daddy if there's something he's been trying to tell you. Because the truth of the matter is this, God prefers, he's a good father, he prefers to speak it to your heart intimately and personally in the quiet of your room, in your quiet time with him. He does not want to have to speak it to him because he wants a relationship with you. He will use others. That's not always bad. But if you've seen a pattern where he has to do it over and over and over again, you might want to check it. Find out what's going on. Father, am I avoiding you? Father, am I ignoring you? Father, am I la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la? Right? <laughs> la la la, that's right. Hey, I've done it. I'm not judging. <laughs> I love First uh, John four thirteen thirteen talks about God is love, and the context of it is so beautiful. It says, "This is how we know that we live in Him, and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son." To be saved in the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. It's like the litmus test of who He is. This is how love is made complete among us. Why? So that we would have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There's no fear in love. Because God is good, because he is love, we don't have to love la la la. Because anytime he's wanting to tell us something that needs to shift or needs to change, it's because he loves you. And it's actually good for you and it's going to help you come in to a better place, a more peaceful place, a more joyful place, a more fruitful place. There is no fear in love. Because God is good, because God is perfect, we never have to be afraid of what he's going to say to us. Because he will always speak the truth in love. He might say something you don't want to hear, but he's going to say it in love. He's going to say it because he cares about you. But he is going to say it. Cameron and I had a couple conversations recently, and I was like, I don't know how to be quiet about this. I said, I need help. Because I love you so much, I have to get some of this stuff out. And she was so gracious with me, and I said, please forgive me. I'm learning how to do this well. And she, she did. She was extremely kind to me. But when you really love someone, you can't not say something, Right? Sometimes the world will tell us that our true friends are those that are always nice to us and agree with everything that we say. But those aren't your true friends. I'll tell you what, your true friends are the ones that are willing to tell it like it is. The ones that are willing to lose the friendship rather than not speak the truth. Those are your true friends. They're willing to lose something for, for the sake of seeing you become everything God created you to be, to ensure that you're not deceived or harmed or hurt or backslidden. Come on, any, anybody got a ride or die? I got a couple. I'm thanking Jesus for them. Yeah. It's a, it's a rare and precious gift of true friendship like that. Isaiah 14, 27 says, For the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? 
and it's for his outstretched hand. Who can turn it back? In other words, Daddy done said something. It's going to get done. Ain't no devil in hell going to change it. So if he's prophesying or he's spoken something over your life, you can be sure he will hasten to perform his word. In the Old Testament, we read in Isaiah, he says, just like the rain falls from the sky and the snow falls from the sky, it waters the ground. Does not return to the heavens without watering the ground. So it is with the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord does not return void, for he hastens to perform his word. He hastens, he's quick, he's attentive to it, he's intentional about it. So think about some of those prophecies and some of those things he's spoken over your life. And just know that you know that you know. You can know he is good. He loves you. He said it, and he's bringing it to pass. And the angels are hastening to perform the word of God on your behalf. There is no delay in the kingdom. There's process, right? If we're la 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 la, la I don't hear you. You're gonna make the long the process longer. If we're submitting and we're even if we're doing everything right and we're responding and our heart is meldable, there's still a process. And it, when he talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind in, in the New Testament, you're familiar with that verse that the word metamorphosis talks about the caterpillar and the butterfly. The caterpillar doesn't just poof, supernatural on a butterfly flies and my wings already roll. That's not how that goes. The caterpillar, you know, meanders around and has to eat for a really long time and he eats the leaves. They eat like 15 times or 30 times, I don't know however many times they're weight. A lot. And they eat and eat and eat, and they're like, oh man, I'm just eating and eating and eating. Is this ever going to end? I mean, some of us are like, that's glory right there. That's like, amen. Yeah. 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 Right? Look, I, and some of us get stuck there in caterpillar mode, but that's all we want to do is eat, 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 eat. And the Lord wants you to go to the cocoon stage where you stop eating so much. Stop glory hunting. Stop chasing every conference. I need you to get in love with me. I need you to get in the cocoon. I need you to be still and know that I'm God. I need you to come away and have some cave time. So I can speak to you. So I can whisper dreams to your heart. So I can tell you why I created you. So I can start to move on your behalf and begin to align on relationships that are necessary for you to accomplish what I have for you to accomplish in this season. Can anybody say amen? amen. Have you been there? In the cave time, in the waiting time, it is not wasted time. It is not wasted time. It's actually preparation time. I used to think, when God went. I'm not a patient woman, naturally. My children can testify if you can agree with that, just say amen. Yeah, they know. Listen, I, I know who I am. Okay? Apart from Jesus, not much. But with God, all things are possible. By His grace, I have learned to be patient, right? And I'm going to be careful not to wait too long. People are like, well, you're going to say something. Well, I'm just going to wait this out and see what God's plans. Well, you might want to say something, right? And if we get like that, when we grow or learn an area, sometimes the pendulum swings one way, then it swings way the other way. The Holy Spirit's bringing you back to the center. Center right on Him. You find that balance, that truth, that place of grace and truth, that place of blessing and faith, that place of peace and courage, that place of rest and war. Right? So I'm just going to ignore it. Let's get that one. Okay, so God is perfect love. We talked about that. He is perfect love. 
we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. But we're listening. God and God and them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence and liberty of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Okay? I love the idea that God is all powerful. God is all powerful. I sometimes like to think my husband is all powerful. He can fix the furnace and the water heater and the couches and move stuff and bring home the bacon and take care of business and help me with the dishes and give me advice. Right? But he's not. He's the son of God, but he's not a powerful. God is all powerful. Isaiah 14, 27 says, For the Lord of hosts is planned, and who can frustrate it? His outstretched hand, who can turn it back? Now think about this. Satan was in heaven, Lucifer, with all the angels. Raised himself up, tried to make himself equal with the Lord, Lord cast him down. He was with him the whole time. And saw everything that was going on with Adam, with Eve, and kicked out of the garden. He watched all of history unfold, and yet he still didn't have a clue about God's plan through Jesus. Didn't have a clue about his outstretched hand and how he was going to save the world. When God has decided a thing, no one can change it. Sometimes, I'm just thinking about destinies, okay? Sometimes the word of the Lord, the prophetic word of the Lord comes to you or over you or spoken about you. And then in that very season, the enemy will come and try to snatch it from you. And all hell breaks loose and tries to convince you that it's not true, that it's not time, that it will never happen, that it's not God. But the truth of the matter is, persecution comes because of the word. And the, the, the persecution is actually proof. It's verification. It's a bullseye way to know that you know that you know what God said is true and it's going to come to pass exactly like he said it's going to come to pass and the devil's scared because you're going to become a kingdom warrior you're going to take back land for the sake of the king of kings and lord of lords God is powerful if you only knew how many times someone tried to tell me actually I remember uh, I was in my prayer time, and I was working on Coggle, and, you know, I'm not complaining. This, it's my call. But there was a season where, you know, one woman working among mostly men was a little difficult. It was hard for them to understand. Their hearts were pure, right? They just weren't used to it. They didn't know how to receive me. They don't know what to do, you know? And honestly, I was not real patient at that time. I wasn't fully molded into the butterfly that God had created me to be, so it was a little rough around the edges, okay? So I added to a lot of this. But someone, I remember being in a meeting and someone saying to me, you're crazy. You are never going to be able to do this. And I thought, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I need mean, to just say crazy. Because my God said. But I went home and then he started messing with me. The onslaught came and I was weeping in my bed. I'm like, Father, am I crazy? This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. This is looking a lot different than I thought it was going to look. People aren't just jumping on board and saying, man, this is a really good idea. I want to do this. Here's my money. You know, let me donate to 
That isn't how it went. Uh, faith to faith and glory to glory. And I had a war and war and trust and war and trust and war. It was like when Joshua entered in the promised land and God gave him the promise, he said, everywhere the sole of your foot treads, I will give you success. But be strong and be very courageous. He said, again, I say you be strong and be very courageous for you will lead these people in the land that I have promised them. And I'm sitting in my bed and I'm weeping. And I'm like, maybe I'm not. So I'm looking through all my prophetic words. And Pastor Terrence came, precious father in the city, precious father. He texts me out of the blue. And it, this is all he said. He said, Stephanie, don't let anybody tell you you can't do what it is God called you to do. You're already doing it over God. And I just, okay, because I'm a crier. That's my process. I just bawled. I was like, okay, I'm not nuts. God is a good God. He is a good Father. He's a perfect Father. It'll confirm your calling to you and who you were created to be over and over and over again. And you cling to those things. You write them down and you go back and you look over them again and again and again. And sometimes other people are going to be able to stir up for you. You've got to stir yourself up. You've got to stir yourself up. And I would get those journals out and I'd say them out loud. Father God, you said, you said, you pointed me over nations. That's what you said. To tear down, to overthrow, to break, to uphold, and to build and to plan. His kingdom, not mine. I believe you, Abba. And that only happened, I mean, that was like 15, 20 years ago. I only started walking in that three, four, five years ago. It was a long time that seed had to germinate. I had to be prepared. I couldn't be going into the nation being a hot Irish impatient mess. It would not have been good for anyone. No. I had to stop saying la, 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 la. I had to understand that God was good. And whenever he wanted to speak to me, that even if it was something that needed to shift, it was done in love, and it was better to yield and to come more into him than it was to resist and try to stay where I was at. Does that resonate with y'all? Color of iron and wall of bronze. Amen, that's right. We joke about elephant skin, but it is. He says, he says, a pillar of iron and a wall of bronze. And it's not that you become hardened. It's that that process of purifying the gold happens. And your heart actually becomes more and more tender. But you become so tender to the Lord, it's like he becomes the pillar of bronze on the outside of you. And you are so hidden in Christ Jesus that no matter what they say, it's like, that's cute. Oh, that's funny. Come here, baby. Let me love on you. I mean, people be trifling. If you only, the higher you go, okay, the more influence you have, the worse it gets. I mean, they chase you. It's weird, okay? I thank God that I'm not famous because I'm sort of, sort of known in the city, and it's weird. Hi, people fawn over you. It's uncomfortable. It's like, listen, I am not Jesus. Relax. He is still on the throne. Calm down. I can only give you what he gives me permission to give you, by the way. I can only say what he gives me permission to say. And, and if I'm obeying, I can only do what he gives me permission to do. And it ought to be the same with all of us. Because if we really believe that he is good and that he is God and that he is perfect love, then Whatever he wants, we'll do it because he knows the hearts of all men. All men. He knows what's going to help them. He knows what's going to hurt them. Does that resonate? God is all-knowing. Okay, this is the next one. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. I love that the Lord knows already. One of my favorite stories about Jane 
Let me sign in here. It's the Kool-Aid story. Okay? I'm cleaning the house. I'm vacuuming, you know, fierce. My house was spotless when those kids were little. And I hear, And I see the refrigerator doors open. I'd already told him, no, he cannot have any Kool-Aid. Just go to I look over the fridge and see him sucking the Kool-Aid off the floor in the bottom of the fridge because he tried to get it down himself and it was full, right? White t-shirt. It's all down his chest. So I back up and I say, gee, to which he quickly stands to his feet. <laughs> and he's little, right? So you can barely see my head over the door. Hi. He's smiling. I said, buddy, were you drinking the kudu? No. No. <laughs> it's all His face is purple. His t-shirt's going, no. No. No, I was not. I said, really? And I can see the purple on his shirt, soaked through his t-shirt, dribbled down. His teeth are still purple. I said, okay. I said, okay. God is all-knowing. We do that with God sometimes. We're drinking the Kool-Aid, sucking it off the bottom of the fridge, and God is saying, Stephanie, Jacob, Gabby, Lyra, Jackie, Sheila, whoever, Heidi, are you doing this? And we go, no, no, Lord, no, no, I would not do that to you. He's here. All the while, he hears you. And he's like, baby, let's have a conversation. It's an authentic conversation. God is alone. He already knows. Psalm 139, 1-4 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. Mm -mm -mm. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Listen, there ain't nothing you're doing that anyone will know. Think about that. Can't give me the eyebrows. I don't want to know. But there ain't nothing you're doing that daddy don't know about. And we believe a lie sometimes that he don't see it. Right? And I want you to hear me. He loves you. But if you're feeling a little squirmish and uncomfortable right now, that's a good thing. And it's not because he doesn't love you, it's because he does love you. All the time. But... He has good plans for you to prosper you and not harm you. If you're feeling a little like, oh, this is making me uncomfortable, you need to ask him, Father, I, you know what I had to pray one time? Okay, I'm Irish. Listen, we swear. It's like an adjective. That's what we do. We are sailors. We swear. It is funny to us. We find it hilarious. We are mockers. We are crass, crude, and rude. That's just who we are. And it's hilarious. It's like you are... One of the top guys, if you could cut somebody else out of their size, it's celebrated in our culture. Okay, it just is. And I listen, whatever. That's my heritage. I'm just going to own it. I had to ask Father God, Father God, would you please give me a hate for this because I still think it's funny. I'm a mommy. Okay? I mean, 35 years old, 30 years old, my grandma is flipping me off. You can have it this way or this way with a cigarette in her mouth, right? And I'm like, man. I'm like, this is sick, I shouldn't be laughing, but I really think it's funny. Lord, I need you to cause me. Please help me to hate this sin. It's like, I hate kids. 
That one's the best teacher. That one looks the part. That one has it all together. No. What did they say? They prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show us which one of these two you have chosen. Because God knows the hearts of men and women. I wouldn't have chosen me to do what I'm doing. I didn't, quite frankly, didn't want to do it. There are people probably that can do that, but God had a plan. And I think part of that plan is that I'm okay with the reality that apart from Jesus, I'm a hot mess. And in order for the body of Christ to understand the reality that with God all things are possible, but apart from him you can do no thing, and to understand and grasp the reality of the perfect love of God, you've got to have some people that are willing to put, take off the mask and put their mess on the stage. Amen? The more we're willing to do that, the more Christ is actually glorified. But when we play the part, oh, this is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. I have perfect clothes and my Bible books all day. I have the right answers for everything. Everything. Your life sucks and mine is awesome, don't you know today? No, that's not helpful. Listen, we got a world that's hurting. They're hurting. They don't need us to be prim, proper, massive, perfect. They need us to be recklessly in love with the one who saved us and willing to show them the way to get there. They need to see the ways that God took us out of the pit and out of the mud and out of the mire and cleaned us up, made us whole, and does miraculous things to us and recognize the reality that if he did it for me, he's no respecter of persons and he can do it for you. Come on. Come on. Let's go together. I'm on fire. They need to see us as servants of flame for him. Song of Songs says your, your banner over me is love, and your love is as strong as death. They need to see us absolutely on fire, in love with Jesus, because we've been saved so much. She who is forgiven much loves much. That's what the scripture said. They're in the Pharisee's house, and they go over for dinner, and no one washed Jesus' feet, and in comes this saved prostitute. Woman from whom seven demons have been delivered, and she's bawling and she's crying and she's crying over Jesus' feet. She can't stop because she's so thankful for what he did for her. She can't help but cry because she remembers who she was. She remembers where she came from, and she's so thankful. And sometimes we forget. We forget that it's not a diploma, it's not a doctrine, it's not a degree, it's not the way we do our hair, the car we drive, the way we look. It's about the one that came to set us free. And what did he say? He said, do you see this woman? No. Whispering. Talking smack. Mm, Jesus help me. That Irish party likes to fight. Talking smack. Back talking. Who does she think she is? If you knew what kind of woman that was, you would tell her to get away. What did the Lord say to them? Do you see this woman? You did not wash my feet, but she has not, you did not kiss me when I came in. Just tradition, come in. Holy kissed. Cheek cheek. 
Just as you come in and you wash their feet because the roads were dusty. Someone takes the servant's towel and washes their feet. They were willing to humble themselves. She said, but she does not start washing my feet with her tears since she got here. She's drying them with my hair. Do you not know that she's anointing me for my burial? This will be told throughout all the nations. She will forever be remembered. She who's forgiven much loves much. And we all want to look like Jesus and flow like Jesus and love like Jesus and be used mightily of him. But the reality is sometimes we forget that the path to doing that is to stop saying la, 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 and listen and let him say what needs to be said to you. And then receive the forgiveness because that, that he or she who's forgiven much loves much. It's when you receive that forgiveness, you do love. You love magnanimously. You love consistently. You can't help but love because you're so appreciative of what he did on your behalf. It just comes out. It's like a fire shut up in your bones, like Jeremiah says. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't not say it because the love of God is burning within me. It's, it's an all, God is an all-consuming fire, and yet when you're on fire for him, you're not consumed. You're just glorified with Christ. You become glorious. You become beautiful. You become purer and purer. You become majestic. You look like him. You smell like him. You taste like him. It's a somewhere the fragrance of life and to others with a smell of death. To those that want to come in, to those that are willing to love the truth, to those that are hungry for him with the smell of life, but to those that are resistant, la, 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 la. I want to hear what you got to say. The world with the smell of death, with the fragrance of death, the scripture says. Mm-mm-mm. And you wonder why sometimes, you know, when you're around people, they're annoyed with you, right? Like, get away, get away, get away. Okay? Like, when I first got saved, whoo, whoo, whoo. My family was straight up cray cray. I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm really going to learn how to love. And it's because I was the fragrance of death to them. They hadn't shifted yet to the place where they longed for life. They longed for righteousness. They longed for Christ. They recognized the reality that they needed a Savior. So they actually got worse. Because when I was in their presence, they could feel the presence of the Lord. They could feel the conviction. I wasn't saying anything. They're like, you think you're so holy. I was like, dude, I didn't say nothing to you. I'm just in the room. But the fragrance of Christ was all over me. The love of God was present. And they, sh- well, I don't know who you think you are. You're too good for us now. No. No. And they're all saved now, okay? Just almost put the record straight. My whole family's saved now, but who is a journey? Okay? They don't know. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Jesus wasn't hanging up on the cross saying, Lord, don't forgive them. They all know exactly what they're doing to him. No. He did not say that. And in our flesh, I think sometimes we do that, right? Ooh, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. No. No, he's hanging up there in all that pain, taking the heat, taking the beat. Come on. What did he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Listen, if somebody's treating you wrong, they don't know. If you're saying they do, you're like the thief on the right. Are you going to save me, get me down? Instead of the other thief, Lord, save me. It's obvious that you're the Son of God. 
Joy to the world. 
Bill Jones would sit there. And then I got this out of that one statement. God loves justice, but we must remember his ways are not our ways. Check out this verse. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show that his deeds are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking or self-promotion in your heart, do not boast and lie. Do not lie, lie, Okay? Against the truth. This wisdom, God calls that wisdom, selfish ambition, self-promotion, and bitter envy of what other people have. I want what they have. I want to be like that. I don't want to be who God created me to be. I want that. Do not lie mm -mm -mm. against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Surprisingly, the word tells us in this verse that bitterness and jealousy is a form of wisdom. It's a form of wisdom in the sense that this thing happened and it was wrong and I have a right to be upset or angry, which results in a bitter root and a bitter heart and an unwillingness to forgive. It's a false justice. It does not come from above, Father God says, but it's earthly. That is why so often those steeped in bitterness and jealousy consider themselves to be, quote, right. I'm right. When we find ourselves talking about who's right and who's wrong instead of about how we reconcile this relationship, we might be struggling with bitterness and jealousy. When we find ourselves envying another individual because of the favor the Lord has given them, the doors that he's opened, the way that they are able to influence the favor that God has given them, the funds God's given them to do something, you might be struggling with selfish ambition and envy, which is not from above. They often consider themselves to be discerning, accurate, wise, much like the Pharisees. Jesus says to them, now that you say you know, I'm going to hold you responsible for that. The scripture tells us that this kind of wisdom is actually demonic. Think about that for just one minute. It's demonic. The foundation of the Lord's throne are righteousness and justice. Justice is so important to him that it's the foundation of his throne. He personally paid the sacrifice for our sin. Giving us righteousness as a gift. Remember that throne? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And righteousness is given freely as a gift because Jesus died on our behalf. Scripture tells us that he has become for us righteousness from God. The perfect sacrifice, and therefore meeting the requirement for true justice. Okay, so that, that righteousness is a gift. The justice was meant in the sense that God is holy, and a payment, a penalty must be given for the sin of men, of us, of the world. But the payment was paid so that whosoever would believe can stand in that place, the safety of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and say, I am righteous. Not because of what I do, not because of how perfectly I perform, 
but because the price for me was paid and I stand in Jesus. God paid the just price and therefore I get the righteousness. But it continues in the full context of the verse that says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. God is love. And love, God himself, and those of us who co-linger with him is the only thing that never fails. True justice is when, like Jesus, we love another so well that we willingly pay the price while they grow into the fullness of who God has called them to be. We are called to pick up our cross daily, to forgive as we have been forgiven, to lay down our lives for our friends and even our enemies. I challenge you today. Ask God to give you a revelation of his finished justice because Jesus is a picture of God's justice and it is finished. He has paid the price for all of your mistakes, all of your sins, all of those things that people are disappointed with you about. Choose life, choose love, choose wisdom from above. It will set you free. And you will look just like the Father in heaven. Jesus is the perfect picture of true justice. Christ, and we will see and have the privilege and the honor of participating in the 
greatest harvest that this world has ever seen. But if we remain silent, if we remain bitter, if we remain offended, if we want to be right, rather than in right relationship, I really believe we'll be, that's what we're going to be accountable for. Originally, I had that vision, and we talked about this last time, of Elijah and Enoch. And he said Elijah was a little crotchety. He was kind of grumpy. What if? And he said Enoch was very loving. What if all our rewards are just the measure of glory and grace that we willingly surrender to while we were here on earth? And somehow, those seeds that we said yes to while here are the things that we're able to manifest for eternity in some supernatural way. What if that's the only reward? What would you change today? What would you ask God for more of? How would you, when, what would you stop saying la, 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 la to so that you could have his way in your heart? God is good. And he sent Jesus because he wants to be in relationship with you. And he wants you to be have a ministry of reconciliation and encourage others that they can be in relationship with him too. The whole book of the Bible is about a loving creator, a father God who has the heart of a father and longs to be in relationship with you, to walk with you day in, day out, moment to moment. When it's good, when it's bad. When you're on the mountaintop, when you're in the valley. When you're in a good mood, when you're in a bad mood. When you're angry, when you're sad. When you're crying, when you're screaming. When you're elated. When you're poor, when you're rich. When you messed up. When you totally nailed it. He wants you to create with him. He wants you to dream with him. That's the Father God is chasing you. I want to end with um, John 14, 12. And I hadn't noticed before how this verse starts off. It's 12 through 21, if you want to leave that context. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, I tell you this timeless truth. There's only one thing that's outside of time, and that's the Lord. And he says, I tell you this timeless truth. This truth that is beyond the bounds of the beginning of the world and the end of the world, that is eternal, that is like me, that is like him in the sense of it's, it's an I am truth, it's an eternal truth, it's an olam truth. And it, this is what he says. The person who follows me, this is Jesus talking, in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Can anybody say, amen? amen. Just confess this all out of your mouth. Say, I, I will do the same miracles that Jesus did because I believe in him and I have faith and I follow him. There are three things there. It says, the person who follows me so in other words, you can't be taking money trails and you're not following other things about the world. You've got to be following him. Point number one. No, la, 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 la. 
You gotta be following Jesus. You can't be following your friends. You can't be following the trends of the world or even the trends of the church, because I'm telling you, the trends in the church. You gotta be following him. It says in faith, that's point number two. He says, even a mustard seed of faith can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. Jesus said, I have become faith for you. Father, remember what the guy said? Help me with my unbelief. I believe, Lord, right? But help me with my unbelief. Whatever that is in me that's not believing, you can say that to him at any time. And he will help you with your unbelief. And he'll help you move from that one place of faith to faith and glory to glory. And he'll help you shift into that new place because he loves you. He wants to give you more of himself. And the third part was believing in me, believing in Jesus, believing in the finished work, believing that he's got you covered, believing that though the righteous man, you righteous man and woman of God, you fail seven times, all you have to do is get back up again. The scripture says that's the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. The righteous man just gets back up. That's the only difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. So if you're sitting there and thinking, man, I missed it again. That's all right. That's okay. Get back up. Get back in Jesus. Ask him, what is this, Lord? And what do you want me to do? What is the lie that I'm believing about this that keeps bringing me into this pit, into this place, into this valley, into this stuckness? Where am I not allowing you? What do I need to shift? And what is the truth? How do I get out of this? What is the revelation about you and about your son and about your glory and about your Holy Spirit and about your goodness and about your ways and about eternity that I'm not currently understanding that's stopping me from being able to behold your beauty and be transformed into your image in this one area of my life? It goes on to say, even greater miracles than these. Oh, come on. Come on. Even greater miracles. Seriously? He raised the dead. He healed the leper. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. Thousands sat at his feet and listened to the word because Christ and God were one. That's what he wants for us. I was, I was sitting in my room, and I say that a lot because I spend hours there, and that's where I study. And then I have this blanket, and it's got these four leaf clovers all over it. It looks like four little hearts. And God was speaking to me about it. He said, Stephanie, that, that teaching I gave you a couple weeks ago when we talked about being one, like in John 17, the same glory I put in Christ I want to put in you. It's like Father, Son, Holy Spirit of the three, right? And we're all one. We're all connected to the same clover. And you've got that fourth heart there. That's your heart joined to mine, one with mine, that always says yes. How do you, how do I make my heart one with God? You know how you make your heart one with God? You say yes. Whatever the cost. Whatever it looks like, however long it takes because you're worth it, I just say yes. And then the clover has that little stem. And I saw the Hebrew bath. Are you familiar with that? I'm going to explain that to anybody. Okay. So in the, in the Hebrew, um, the letter bath is, is number six. It looks kind of like a nail. Okay. And it, with our teachings that we've done on the head of the ear and whatnot, the number of man is six. We're literal vows in the earth. We're nails in the earth. That when we're partnered 
with Christ, Jim, okay, we become a crown vibe. We become a new creation. We become glory being vibe or being nailed into the earth. And that clover became a picture of that for me. It was like, he was saying, stay connected, make your heart one with mine. How do you do that? You just say, yes, I'm willing. Help me. Help me. David said over and over and over again in the Psalms, save me, Lord. Save me from myself. Help me, Lord. This is how I feel. Right, 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 right. And Brent and I talk about this all the time. He's a man present. Listen, it looks like he's a man present. The truth is, David unfolded his heart to the Lord about how he really felt. He didn't have any things. He told it like it was. This is how I feel. This is what's frustrating me. I don't know why I feel this way, but I'm going to be real with you about it because the truth is, you already know. And I need you to save me from myself. I need you to help me get free. He says, because I go to be with my Father. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus said that. Why will you do even these greater miracles? Because I go to be with my Father. And my Father is good. The Father that sent me. The Father that created you. The Father that's calling you. The Father that has good plans for you. The Father that loves you perfectly. And he goes on and he says, For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask it in my name. And this is the Passion Translation. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like. And it's how I'll bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it for you. And then it goes on, the context of this verse is so beautiful because in some translations, it doesn't do it justice, but in the Passion's translation, it goes on and it says, loving me empowers you to obey my commandments. And in order to love him, we have to be honest about where we're at. We've got to take that mask off. We talk about it all the time. Be real about where we're at and receive the forgiveness. I am a mess. Sometimes the cave season is just taking the mask off and looking at yourself in the mirror of the word for who you really are and going, this sucks. I don't want to be this person. And it's not a bad season. It's okay. Because now you're on your way to not sucking. You're moving from sucky to supernatural. It's a beautiful thing. And you're in good company, you guys, because guess what? We all start out sucking. Apart from Christ, we can do no thing. Sometimes we don't want to admit it, but the truth of the matter is apart from him. We're a mess. Everybody is. But when we don't know who he is, we try to hide from the reality that we're a mess. But when we know, when we taste and see that he is good, we can look and go. It doesn't because he loves me. Wow, that's disgusting. I really don't like that part of me, Abba. But I believe you can save me. I believe you can change me. I believe you're good. I know that Jesus was enough. And it's just a matter of time till I look like him. Make me, mold me, for me. Throw me on your potter's wheel and do whatever needs to be done. So that when I come out, I bring glory to your name. 
I don't care if you want to make me a cup or a toilet seat. Do what you want to do because I know you're good. And if you created me, then whatever you make me into will be a good thing. It'll be glorious. I'll find that fullness of joy in your presence. Listen. I'm just saying, toilet seat is deliverance ministry. A lot of people don't want to do that. It takes some bold, courageous people to do that ministry. People sitting on you all the time, you know, being all messy. But it's the highest form of love, a willingness to tolerate that messy, messy mess of others so that they can be reconciled to the one who loves them. And the truth of the matter is, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So great is the reward for the policy people. Okay. Because quite frankly, if we persevere with them unto character, sometimes they're the biggest, messiest lumps of coal, but when they we stay with them and under that pressure, they're formed and they're formed and they're formed and they're purified, they become some of the most precious gems in the hand of God. For some of the most unique and creative and glorious purposes here on earth. Can anybody say amen? Yeah, come on. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another Savior. I love the Passion Translation. The Holy Spirit of truth. Why is Holy Spirit like another Savior? Because it says, who will be to you a friend just like I am, just like me. And he will never leave you. Can anybody say sometimes you just don't want to go eat? You're like, Daddy, don't leave me. No, let me do this by myself. Are you still with me? Right? That's what the Israelites would say. Do not take your spirit from me. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you will know him intimately. It's all about relationship again. Intimately. You won't just know of him, right? But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and live inside of you. Which brings us to our final point. God so wants relationship with you and he so wants relationship with me. We've been studying this in our Bible study recently. Yehovah Shammah. It literally means in the Hebrew, the Lord is there. God loves you so much that he wants you to be his ark, his temple, his Mary, the carrier of his glory. He wants to be with you day in and day out, when you sleep and when you wake, when you work and when you play. So much so that he gave you his Holy Spirit who's always with you and never leaves you. It's with you everywhere you go. Jehovah Shammah. He wants to be one with you just like he is one with Jesus. Listen to this in the Hebrew and then we'll close. Shane, you can put some music on if you want. Shama is a primitive root. It means to hear intelligently. So Jesus abiding you hears intelligently. What are your needs? What are your dreams? Often with the implication of attention or obedience, causatively to tell something. Attentively to call, to gather together. 
Right? And so Holy Spirit's constantly gathering you to the Father. Come, come, come with us. Come, come, come. Right? I don't know if you've all seen Lord of the Rings, the little habits of it. Come, come. Let's get together. Come, let's have fun. Yeah? Certainly consent to consider, to be content, to be clear. He's content on the inside of you. He needs to diligently dis- discern and to give ear to something. He's listening. He's discerning. What's going on in this child's heart? Where are we at? How are we doing? Are you okay? What do we need to talk about? What are you running from? What are you scared of? It means to be obedient. I like this one. To make noise, it means to make noise. Hmm. Sometimes I just like to, ah. right? Have fun. It means to obey, to perceive, to make a proclamation. It means to literally publish something. Paul says in the scripture, we're letters. I am a letter from the Lord. My life is a letter from the Lord. I can look back over who I was to who I am today and say, I'm a living epistle. A letter written of the Lord, a changed woman. It means to regard. He regards you. He thinks fondly of you. It means to report. He communicates back and forth with Father God, saying, this is where Jacob's at. This is where Laura's at. This is where Kenny's at. This is where Carrington is today. It means to make a sound. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say. We don't even know what we need, but it's okay. It's the Holy Spirit prays for us and intercedes with groanings that cannot be uttered. You don't even have to know how to pray. You don't even have to know what you need. Jehovah Shammah, Holy Spirit on the inside of you, intercedes on your behalf and is constantly bringing everything you need to before the throne of God so that He can finish the work that He's starting in you. He means surely to to understand with all you're getting get wisdom and get understanding wisdom is to know what to do understanding is to know how to do what you know to do the heart with which to do it the motives, the manner in which it ought to be walked out not just what to do but how to do what he's told you to do the heart with which to do it and then finally, Jehovah Shammah in the Hebrew means, whosoever heareth. He says, my sheep know my voice. It means to witness. Once we taste and see the Lord, so we cannot say something, we cannot tell someone else. Because he's just too good, amen. So if you're in a place where You've tasted and you see and you're realizing how good he is and you're ready to share that with somebody, that's a good thing. That's a manifestation of Jehovah Shammah in you. And celebrate that. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. That's what I want you to tell you today. He loves you. And he is not like your earthly father. He is good. And he is always good. And there's not anything that you can't take to him. There's not anything he doesn't already know about you. And there's not anything 
broken you that you see that cannot be fixed by the finished work of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.